Hello, neighbor, and welcome today to another podcast episode of Established in the Faith. This is Pastor James Pierce, and what a privilege it is to have all of you out there tuning in with us today. We're going to continue with our study in the book of Revelation. I know it's going to be a blessing to you, and if it is, feel free to like it and share it with others. If you'll go over to EstablishedInTheFaith.com, you'll find more information on how you can subscribe to this podcast. You can now get us on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Google Play, TuneIn Radio, Blueberry, and others as well. Feel free to contact us there on the website with questions and comments that you may have pertaining to the program today. Well, we're going to go on into our study now, picking it up in Revelation chapter 7 and verse 1. Hope and pray it'll be a blessing to you. continue our study tonight in the book of Revelation. We're going to start in the seventh chapter tonight. Actually, we're just going to back up a little bit. First of all, let me say that chapter seven of the book of Revelation is what is known as a parenthetical passage. Now, what exactly is meant by that, a parenthetical passage? It is a passage of Scripture that explains events and things that are going on at the same time that other events are taking place and occurring. And seeing how this seventh chapter follows the sixth seal, it is believed that these events that we read about here in the seventh chapter begin to take place at the opening of the sixth seal and continues on for an undetermined period of time. Uh, Some believe that these events will transpire before the seventh seal is opened. Some believe that these events will continue to occur throughout the tribulation period. But the Bible really does not say. But we do know that these events begin to happen when the sixth seal is open and for a period of time thereafter. Now, if you recall back the opening of the sixth seal, you can find it in the sixth chapter of Revelation, starting with verse 12. We'll just pick it up right there tonight, if you will. Revelation 6, verse 12. John said, And I beheld when he had opened the sixth seal, and lo, there was a great earthquake, and the sun became black as sackcloth of hair, and the moon became as blood, and the stars of heaven fell unto the earth. Now, there have been many earthquakes in the history of this world, but never has there been anything uh, to such an extent as it affecting the sun and the moon. Also, at the same time, we have uh, meteorites that will crash into the earth. Uh, Verse 14 says that the heavens departed as a scroll when it is rolled together, and every mountain and island were moved out of their places. If this earthquake, if the epicenter of this earthquake happens to be in an ocean somewhere, 
then it could displace a large amount of water, creating waves that could reach certain land areas. It could literally change the topography of the earth. As John is seeing it here from heaven, it appeared to him as if the mountains and the islands were moved out of their places. Uh, but that could very easily be a displacement of water, especially if a large meteorite crashes into the ocean. All that water is going to ripple out somewhere. And back in 2004, when that earthquake happened out in the Indian Ocean, the effects of it went as far as 3,000 miles. And uh, this is going to be worse than anything that's ever happened before the opening of the sixth seal. We also see there in verses 15 and 16, people are running to higher ground to get away from these waves and all that is taking place at this particular time. And now I want to draw your attention, if you will, to verse 13. And these are just some things that we're reviewing and going back over again uh, because the seventh chapter ties in with this. Verse 13, if you will, Revelation chapter 6. The stars of heaven fell unto the earth, even as a fig tree casteth her untimely figs when she is shaken of a mighty wind. The fig tree symbolizes Israel. And the way it is phrased here, she brings forth untimely figs. When Jesus came the first time, Israel did not recognize the time of their visitation. They did not accept Jesus as their Messiah. If they had have accepted Jesus as the Messiah, they would have brought forth fruit. Jesus would not have been crucified by Israel. But at the moment Israel cried, this is our Messiah, this is our King, Rome would have come in and took over and had him crucified. Jesus would have raised from the dead. The millennium would have started then. But because Israel rejected Jesus Christ as the Messiah, it has now brought ushered in the church age and this world has been succumbed to another 2,000 years of sin and pain and sickness and, and death and all that we see going on today. But at this time, at the opening of the sixth seal, Israel will bring forth fruit known as untimely figs. And what brings all of this about is a moving of the Holy Spirit across the world at this particular time. And the second chapter of the book of Acts describes, In the last day, saith God, I will pour out of my Spirit upon all flesh, and so on and so forth. And some of the things that are described there in that chapter are events and things that will be taking place during the Great Tribulation period. And uh, there's going to be millions across this world that will be brought into the kingdom of God at this time, plus 144,000 Jews that will be saved at this time. Now, Revelation chapter 7, the first 
a few verses here has to deal with that. I think uh, through verse 8. Let's just pick it up in verse 1 tonight of Revelation chapter 7. And after these things I saw four angels standing on the four corners of the earth, holding the four winds of the earth, that the wind should not blow on the earth, nor on the sea, nor on any tree. Now, these angels are the first four trumpet judgment angels that we read about in Revelation chapter 8, verses 7 through 12. These are the same angels. Now, in this verse, you'll see the phrase, the four corners of the earth. Now, we all know the earth is round. It's not flat. Uh, the four corners of the earth just simply refers to the four directions, north, south, east, and west. And the four winds that are talked about here has to do with the winds of judgment that will come upon this earth when these angels begin to sound their trumpets. All right, verse 2. And I saw another angel ascending from the east, having the seal of the living God, and he cried with a loud voice to the four angels to whom it was given to hurt the earth and the sea, saying, Hurt not the earth, neither the sea, nor the trees, till we have sealed the servants of our God in their foreheads. And I heard the number of them which were sealed, and there were sealed a hundred and forty-four thousand of all the tribes of the children of Israel. Now, some people think that this seal of God will be an outward sign or a mark upon the forehead um, of these people, something that will be visible to the human eye. I personally do not believe that it will be. I think that, uh, I mean, it could. Don't really know. But I think that this seal that is referred to here is the seal of salvation. Now, Paul referred to it in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13, uh, the latter part of that verse. He just simply says that all believers are sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. All believers are sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. It's a spiritual thing. It is a spiritual seal that all of us have. And, you know, just like today, you cannot look at a person and tell whether they are saved or not. Now, if you hang around them for a while, if they're saved, you should be able to know that there is something different about them. The way they talk, the clothes they wear, the types of music they listen to. You can just hang around a person for a while and tell whether they are saved or not. I remember back years ago doing maintenance work. We had this gentleman that would come around and uh, he would keep the boat bins filled up and that sort of thing. And uh, he'd come in and I reckon he'd been doing this for for about nine ten months or so and finally one day uh we just got to talking 
Of course, we carried on conversations prior to this, but somehow or another, the subject of Christianity got brought up, and I found out for the first time that this gentleman was a preacher. It took me 10 months to find out that this guy was a preacher. I think that's something I should have found out a little bit sooner than that. But at any rate, the point I'm trying to make is when you're saved, there's no physical outward marking of any kind. But you can, after being around a person, there's something different about you. And uh, that's about the only outward sign of salvation that there is. But like I said, the... uh, Uh, The seal of God, if it is the seal of salvation, is a spiritual thing. And uh, I do not believe that this sign will be outward. I remember back also a preacher telling a story about a young girl that she got saved when she was about 8 to 10 years old. She attended church for many years, but when she got in her teenage years, she got with the wrong crowd. And they went off to a rock concert one night, and her friends were able to obtain some backstage passes. And after the concert was over that night, they began to make their way backstage in all kinds of immorality, drugs, you name it, all kinds of stuff goes on back there. And uh, as this girl had lined up there with her friends to go backstage, there was a lady dressed in black. And she was a witch that followed with this particular rock group. And when this young girl walked up to the door and had her pass, The lady in black walked up to her and said, No, ma'am, you cannot go back here. You're marked. This lady, being a witch, was able to see into the spirit world and was able to see a spiritual marking upon this girl. Although she had been saved at an early age and had veered off track a little bit and was in with the wrong crowd, there was still a spiritual mark that this witch was able to see. It wouldn't let her go back. Had the security to come get her and and take her away, and she just had to wait outside. And uh, come to find out later on, one of her friends died of a drug overdose that night. And uh, the testimony goes on to say that at the same time, her parents knew where she was going, and they were at home praying for her. So prayer works. Prayer works. But this seal of God is a spiritual thing. Now, it very well could be a physical thing. We see later on where the Antichrist comes out with his mark, either in the forehead or the right hand. And some say that that the Antichrist is just merely copying something that God has already done to his people. So that's, that's just, I'm just laying the information out for you tonight. You can take it and set it up on the shelf. You can have your own thoughts about it. But that's, like I said, I'm just throwing out my personal thoughts and what I have studied on that particular subject. I believe it to be a spiritual thing. If it is something physical, it doesn't matter. These, 
these are 144,000 Jews that are saved. Now, the interesting thing about this is that it's 12,000 from each of the 12 tribes of Israel, as you read there in verses um, 5 through 9. And we're not going to take the time to go through all of that. But as of right now, these tribes are lost to mankind. But they're not lost to God. God knows where they're at. And God knows exactly how many are going to be saved. Now, the odd thing about it is it's exactly 12,000 from each tribe. God knows exactly how many is going to be saved. Now, that does not mean that God puts his hand up and says, once we get to this 12,000th one, nobody else can come. No, God doesn't work that way. God is merely giving us information. This is exactly how many people that will, of their own free will of choice, accept Jesus Christ as their Savior. It's exactly 12,000 from each of the 12 tribes of Israel. And how does God know? Because everyone that comes through to Jesus Christ, he writes their name down in the book of life. And he knows exactly how many is going to be. But now there's going to be more than just 144,000 Jews. As the Spirit of God moves across this world at this particular time, there's going to be millions all around the world that will get saved. And uh, let's go ahead and take a look at that. Pick it up in verse 9. Revelation chapter 7, verse 9. After this I beheld, and lo, a great multitude, which no man could number, of all nations, and kindreds, and people, and tongues, stood before the throne, and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes, and palms in their hands, and they cried with a loud voice, saying, Salvation to our God, which sitteth upon the throne, and unto the Lamb. A great multitude, which no man could number. But God knows the number. Like I said, everyone that prays through to Jesus Christ he writes their name down. So God knows exactly how many there is. But John standing there seeing all of these people, there was no way that he could number them all. Now these are people from all nations, kindreds, tongues. I want you to notice here once again we have the use of the word lamb. Every time that word lamb is used, it refers to God's salvation plan. There is no other way other than the lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. That's it. There is no other way. If it wasn't for the lamb, there would be no great multitude in heaven. John would not be there observing all of this. It's all because of the lamb. It's all because of what Jesus did at Calvary. Another thing I want you to notice here is the phrase, a loud voice or a great voice. 
Now that term, loud voice, great voice, it occurs 21 times in the book of Revelation. Loud voice, great voice, 21 times. These are people who are praising God for their salvation in heaven. How much more should we be praising the Lord here on this earth as a testimony to the lost with a loud voice praising God? Our church services need to be a little bit louder than what they are. And I'm not telling you something that's unbiblical. I'm not telling you something that's unscriptural because it's going on in heaven right now. All right. Let's move on to verse 11. We're actually going to cover the whole seventh chapter tonight. Y'all can pat me on the back later. We usually cover about four or five verses. (laughs) We're going to get done with a whole chapter tonight, looks like. Verse 11. And all the angels stood round about the throne and about the elders and the four beasts and fell before the throne on their faces and worshipped God. These angels have never experienced salvation. But yet we see them exhibiting more praise and worship than those of us who are saved. Does anybody see a problem with that? Verse 12, these angels are saying, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be unto our God forever and ever. Amen. And one of the, one of the elders answered, saying unto me, What are these which are arrayed in white robes? And whence came they? Now, this is a question that one of these elders asked. Now, we don't know who these elders are. There's 24 of them that are sitting upon thrones in a semicircle. I imagine it in my mind around the main throne of God. One of these 24 elders, it could be anybody from the time of Abel right on up to the rapture of the church could be anybody during that period of time, I believe it to be a man, he walks up to John and asks John this question, and this question is almost as if this elder can read John's mind. Now my question is, is it possible that telepathic communication is in heaven? I don't know the exact scripture, but Jesus said there will be nothing hidden in heaven. See, you can come up to me tonight and say, Brother James, uh, what do you think about this dress I'm wearing? Well, if you're a man, I'm going to think something funny (laughs) going on with you. But if you're a lady, I may say, well, that's a pretty dress or whatever the case, you know. but, uh, But in my mind, I might be thinking that's the ugliest thing. I sure hope Dana don't decide to wear anything like that. But see, when you get to heaven, it's not going to be that way. Is it possible that it will not be that way? There's not going to be anything hidden 
You're going to think it and other people are going to know it. Is that possible? Can we gather that from what we're reading here? It's a possibility. Verse 14. And I said unto him, Sir, thou knowest. And he said unto me, These are they which came out of great tribulation. Many of these people died a horrible death. These are people that came out of great tribulation. Some of these people died because of the war that's going on. Some of these people are people who would not take the mark of the beast. Some of these people are people who were beheaded because of their testimony for Jesus Christ. Some of these people were caught by the flood that came in when a meteorite hit the earth or whatever the case. Um, Any one of the horrible things that will be taking place at this time, these people, the Bible says, came out of great tribulation. But they were washed. The Bible said they washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore are they before the throne of God. The song says, what can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is that flow that makes me white as snow. No other fount I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. The only way that any of us are going to make it to heaven, and that goes for today, is through and by the shed blood of Jesus Christ, and that's it. Now, in verse 15 also, you'll notice that these people serve him day and night in his temple. And he that sits on the throne shall dwell among them. There's nothing like the presence of God. There's nothing like it. We experience it from time to time here on this earth. I wish I could feel and sense his presence all the time. But living in this world, that's... I've not gotten to that point yet. I'm sure there are some who may have, but I'm not there. I experience his presence from time to time, and I can't imagine living and dwelling in his presence forever, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Can you imagine that? Being in the presence of God, The very reason that all of us grow old is because of sin. And we're separated from God because of sin. It's it's actually, yes, sin is a physical, is a spiritual thing, but it's also something that has happened to us physically. It has affected our physical bodies. We don't think right, we don't walk right, and because of that we, we grow old. But one day, we're going to be in the presence of God 
forever. And the song says, never grow old. Never grow old in a land where we'll never grow old. Why? Because we're forever in the presence of God. You know, the Bible also talks about, and we'll read about it probably a year or two from now when we get to the 22nd chapter of Revelation. <laughs> the, uh, the New Jerusalem coming down. Why is it called New Jerusalem? The city existed way back there. John was writing about it and telling us about it. Why is it still called New Jerusalem? It's at least over 2,000 years old. But it's still called New Jerusalem. It's because the Spirit and the presence of God is there constantly. And His Spirit is constantly renewing. It's a land where we'll never grow old. Nothing grows old over there. All right, verse 16. They shall hunger no more. Neither thirst any more, neither shall the sun light on them, nor any heat. For the Lamb which is in the midst of the throne shall feed them, and shall lead them unto living fountains of water, and God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. Someone has said that there are no tears in heaven. But the Bible says there is. God will wipe away all tears from their eyes. Now, when we imagine that in our minds, we think of God reaching down and wiping the tear away from the face. And perhaps that's what it means. But it goes a lot further than that. God will wipe away the very cause of the tears. All the pain, the hurt, the sorrow, the things that kill, steal, and destroy, God's going to wipe away all of those things. And when He wipes away those things, He'll wipe away the tears as well. the program today has been a blessing to you we hope and pray that you'll share it with others this podcast has been made possible by the prayerful and generous financial support of listeners like you to contact us or to contribute to this ministry go to establishedinthefaith.com click on the donate tab all donations are safe and secure through paypal we look forward to hearing from you